Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History puddle. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries podcast brought to you by our good friends at Untuck It. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined by my brother out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. We're post-Bloomington here. Sunday scaries, um, def- definitely real, huh? Yeah, any weekend when you go back to visit college is always a good time. So it's a lot of fun being back in Bloomington. Saw IU basketball get a win. We were able to watch the 49ers game together. So all around fun weekend. Yeah, we hit on our Darwick money line happiness parlay. Um, Niners and IU basketball. Um, it was quite the environment to watch. Uh, 49er playoff game first one since 2013 um not this isn't going to be my sunday scariest moment but watching a playoff game that you intensely care about at kilroy's with um a bunch of your friends there everyone drunk everyone has different action luckily everyone we were with had the 49ers um but kind of chaotic very stressful i'd say yeah not being able to hear the audio of the game adds another level of stress to it, but luckily this game wasn't as close as the last month has been, so we were able to relax a little more. And as it, it got closer to game time, I said on the pick'em pod, uh, I thought the Vikings would cover. Right before the game started, I felt really good about the 49ers, so luckily we didn't have to stress out too much. 
Yeah, we we deserved a little bit of a break there after the last five weeks coming down to the final play. Tyler, you said you wanted to start with your Sunday scariest moment. Um, so I'm on pins and needles here waiting. Go oh. ahead. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, so my Sunday scariest moment being in Chicago. With a lot of friends who are Bears fans. Sunday scariest moment for Bears fans. Watching this Chiefs-Texans game today, Mahomes and Watson dueling, both putting up good numbers. I mean, if you're a Bears fan, you have to be sick to your stomach watching these two quarterbacks you passed up in 2017 to draft Trubisky. These guys look like they're going to be franchise guys moving forward. Both, you know, Mahomes already won MVP. He's capable of winning more. Watson's capable of winning them. Both are capable of winning Super Bowl. So Sunday scariest moment for them. And also watching the 49er game yesterday, George Kittle didn't do a lot of receiving, but absolutely dominating run blocking. That was another guy that passed on to draft Adam Shaheen in the second round who barely plays for them. So Sunday scariest moment goes to the Bears fans because it's tough seeing guys like that you passed up on playing so well. <laughs> the the just piggyback on the Kittle point a little bit of a rebuttal there I mean he was drafted in the fifth round so the 49ers passed on him four times as well um but yes the Mahomes and Watson that game um I mean let's just get into it now that we're on the subject that was the early game today and Tyler who's my lock of the week the under under 51 it's cool when your lock of the week literally is over by halftime the total was, was 52 at halftime, um, which was a record um, for points in a half, uh, I believe, in the divisional round. Um, but, Tyler, I, I got back from uh, the airport, dropped my stuff off, went to the gym, got a quick schwitz in before the game, was walking back, picking up food. And I was like, uh, okay, I'll miss the first, like, five minutes, whatever. It'll be fine. Check my phone once, 7 nothing Texans. I'm like, mm, it's a little quick. I don't like that. Uh, long Kenny Stills touchdown. Check my phone again, 14 nothing Texans. Like, what? what is happening here? Um, so an all-time just insane football game, especially from a betting standpoint. Um, here are the Chiefs' drives to start the game. So the first half, they got their first pump blocked. And then they punted their next two possessions. Then they went on to score seven touchdowns in a row on their next seven possessions. And they had a field goal. Um, Tyler, the live lines were all over the place. I know you took Chiefs live, um, which good for you. I did not have the brain capacity to do that today, but that was that was smart of you. Um, one of the more ridiculous playoff football games I can remember. Absolutely crazy. The Chiefs are the first team in postseason history to be trailing by 20 points in a game, come back, win, and win the game by 20 points. So absolutely bonkers. You had the under as your lock. I thought it was a good play as well. It was over in the first half. So at least, you know, not stressful for you, but absolutely wild. And Bill O'Brien, I mean, has a guy ever won a playoff game? been up 20 in another one and you feel like he should be fired right after it just such awful decision making they were up 21 nothing with the ball i think on the chiefs like 15 they have fourth and one they kicked the field goal just such a loser move on the road in the playoffs you have all the momentum you've carlos hyde deshaun watson's mobile just pound the rock get the first down go for the touchdown that sends a great message to your team instead you settle for the field goal and you know the Chiefs' offense is going to awaken at some point. Then Chiefs come down, score. 
Texans ball back, three and out. They line up to punt. They do a fake on their own territory. You didn't you didn't go for a fourth and one when you're lined up when you could have brought in your offense, but instead you like the play to do a fake punt in your own territory. And after that, the game was over essentially. And he said after the game, I don't know if this is a real quote. He said he and Texans went into game believing they needed 50 points to win the win today. Said he kicked a field goal earlier because they didn't have a play there that he liked. So two things: one, That's he didn't like a play. He didn't. <laughs> so you went into a playoff game and you don't have a fourth and one play ready in your back pocket. That's you don't my... have that, but you like a fourth and five fake punt in your own territory. And two, you you thought you need to score 50 points to win today. Like, what do you say? like? <laughs> That's a delusional thing to say. You thought your defense was going to give up 50. Hey, they gave up 51, so he knew what he's talking about. But just so stupid and idiotic. And when they were up 21 nothing, I was like, is it going to be Texans-Titans AFC title game? Like, that should be a Thursday night football game. Everyone was making the joke. But mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien couldn't uh, hold it in and kind of pulled like an Andy, Andy Reid-type moves against him. Yeah, and then Andy Reid... I mean, Travis Kelsey had a couple of drops early. And really, the, there were so many just insane special teams plays. There was the block punt. Uh, there were multiple turnovers on special teams. Just recipe for disaster when it comes to any under bet. Um, but yeah, I think Mahomes and this Chiefs offense, we've been beating their drum a bit the past couple of weeks. I wish I'd actually put uh, my money where my mouth was in terms of uh, locking in some of their futures when there was some nice value there. Um, but they look great. They're going to be a seven-point favorite next week versus the Titans. And, I mean, to be down 24 nothing, so they're down 24 nothing, Tyler. At that point, their odds are plus 350 money line. Obviously, they chip away. They start coming back. And then within... A blink of an eye, a few possessions later, basically their next five possessions after they score five touchdowns, they're up 34-24, and they're minus 1,500. Like, that swing in a single game is just unbelievable. Um, And the Chiefs, they end up covering easily, which is insane. They're nine and a half point. Some people probably got at 10 uh, favorites in this one. They end up covering easily. Um, I mean, it's, it's... Kind of what we've come to expect from the Chiefs when they are firing on all cylinders. Mahomes was 23 for 35, 321 yards, five touchdowns. Travis Kelsey is just a monster game. Ten catches, 134 yards, three touchdowns. And it just kind of felt like the Texans had their chances. I agree with you. They kind of had them out there, right? I think you just have to try and step on on their throat. Have some faith in Deshaun Watson to pick up a yard. Um, and I mean, Deshaun Watson's numbers were good in this game. It's just they couldn't stop this Chiefs team as soon as they got going. There were almost 900 total yards in this game, in a playoff game. Yeah, absolutely wild. And I feel so bad for Deshaun Watson. He's so talented. And he's just brought down by Bill O'Brien's stupidity, the stupidity of the team, like the franchise their weak offensive line. Like, I don't want the same thing that happened with Andrew Luck where he retired because he kept getting hit, kept getting hurt. That's like, I could see that happening with Watson. He, I mean, he tore his ACL, but if he keeps taking hits like this, he's going to have a shorter career than he should be. So I hate seeing that because he's so talented and capable of making great plays. But if you're a Texans fan, like what's your mindset right now? You're up 24 to nothing in a road playoff game. 
going to host the AFC Championship game against a team you beat. You know, they lost to them week 17, but they didn't play their starters. Team you have to feel pretty good going up against. And in the blink of an eye, you lose by 20. Just, I don't even know, a gamut of emotions. Mm-hmm. True roller coaster ride there. Watson was sacked five times in this game. Um, the Texans were one for five on fourth down. And when it came to the red zone, they were two for four on converting. So it's like these things add up in a playoff game. You're, if your defense gives up 50 points, you're not going to win. Um, but, I mean, they would have covered for Bill if they actually did get to the 50 handle. Um, but, yeah, that game was insane. But my Sunday scariest moment is just for, like, anyone who's not a Seahawks fan or betting on the Seahawks, just the experience of watching those games um, – and watching Russell Wilson just scurry around in the pocket, and he's the ultimate cockroach. He just won't die. You can't kill him. You think you did, but you think you have him for like a 10-yard loss on a sack, and he somehow maneuvers and gets back to line. It's only a one-yard sack. That's him in a nutshell. I was convinced. Uh, I mean, the Packers are up 21-3 to at the half, and – it's kind of the same old story with Seattle. They get down, and then they come back, they come back, they come back. And, I mean, they had their chances. They had uh, the ball with about four minutes to go, down five, and there's a huge drop. Tyler by Malik Turner. Thank God. At just wide open. The spread in this game uh, was, I think I believe it closed at like four and a half. Four is what we got it at. Um, so I think... There's a lot of implications here. Um, Seattle finally loses. Wilson's actually, Lambeau's kind of his kryptonite. He's never won there. Um, But got to give credit to the Packers. Their defensive line is legit. They were getting pressure on Wilson all game, and he just finds ways to elude it. But luckily, Devontae and Rodgers just had enough. Seattle's game plans make no sense coming into each game. They always try establishing the run, be conservative, and this is why they're always trailing. It was when they played the 49ers a couple weeks ago. It's been the story all this year, last year also. And in this game, they're just trying to get Marshawn Lynch going. He's not good. He averaged two yards a carry this game. Travis Homer, who I think is better, only got three carries in this game. And they they just always try to establish the run. And then they get into a huge hole. Then they finally let Russell Wilson just do whatever he wants. And that's when their offense starts moving the ball. So I don't know why every year it takes them like to the second half to realize that. In two playoff games this year, the, the running backs had 32 carries for a uh, total of 58 yards, averaging 1.8 yards per carry. Why... Why do you continue to try running it? Do play action with Wilson, get him on the move. That's when they're at their most dangerous. It makes no sense. So I don't understand why Seattle, Peep Carroll, they can't figure this out. Um, I'm glad they lost, though. Like you said, he's a cockroach. They don't die. And then for the Packers, Rodgers makes the clutch throws at the end of the game. But the thing with the Packers, we've said all season, they'll have a stretch of possessions where their offense looks great. And then they'll have a quarter and a half where they don't do anything. Yeah, that was essentially the first half. And a lot of uh, late in this game, I mean, Seattle just dominated time of possession in the second half. And it seemed like uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were commenting on it, how the Packers defense was just gassed um, at times in the second half. And like 
you think Russell Wilson just scurries around every play. He gets sacked a good amount just because he holds on to the ball so long to make plays. So it's the kind of thing where defensively, like I, I imagine your average uh, cardio is always higher for Seattle because the plays are just longer on average. Um, but bottom line is they take care of business at home. They cover the overhit, Tyler. So uh, we're in a week that I went, wow, yeah, I went 4-0 on the picks, on what we talked about. Um, but I didn't even end up making that much money. How is that possible? That's tough. I was 3-1. But, yeah, this lost, which is unfortunate. I mean, I never felt great the way the Packers were moving the ball in the first half. And then, like I said, you knew Seattle <clears throat> was going to wake up at some point. Russell Wilson was going to get the offense going. He did, and then it's just kind of clenching your butt cheeks, hoping something would happen. But th- <laughs> this died. We both moved to 0-2 in our locks of the week in the playoffs. Um, so we could go 0 for Ofer, that's really in play. Yeah, that would be unfortunate. Um, but like we said, we, we were pretty, we were pretty spot on with the games, so that always feels good. But let's move on to yesterday's game. We'll start with the 49ers game. Like we said, we watched this together in Bloomington. 49ers won 27 to 10, and I mentioned it on the Pick'em Pod. The 49ers needed the bye week. The last month and a half of the season was so stressful. A lot of injuries. You could tell. Guys were getting tired, especially on the defense. So it was great to see, you know, coming after off the bye, how energized they were. They were flying around on defense, getting Quan Alexander back, D Ford. And Quan Alexander, the stats didn't really bear it out that when he got hurt, that wasn't really the cause of their defense going down. When you just watch them and he's on the field, obviously he's talented and what he could do on the field, but just the energy he brings, you could tell the defense plays at just another level with him on the field. So that was apparent yesterday. They had six sacks on Cousins, and this was kind of the team we saw the first half of the year with the defense. So it was a great sign to see that they kind of dominated um, Minnesota, who kind of moved the ball in uh, New Orleans last week. Yeah, I mean, Quan is, I, I know you throw around the cheerleader tag um, with a lot of shade, but Quan is cheerleader. Quan is real. Um, he he is kind of the lifeblood of this team. Um, if anyone follows any other social media, they'll know that Hot Boys University. Um, but getting him back, getting Tart back, getting D Ford, um, this is the defense we saw earlier in the year. Uh, it hasn't been there basically since the Packers game, but they look great. Besides the. Kirk Cousins touchdown to Stephon Diggs kind of on a play that Diggs made a nice play, but then at the day Witherspoon kind of just fell over and he ends up getting benched after that play. Besides that play, Jimmy G throws a bad pick. That's how they get their other three points. It's essentially that like the defense was great and there was just a reliance on the run game that we saw earlier in the year. They rushed the ball 47 times in this game. I saw Shannon said that they wanted, um, Whatever team got to 30 rushes, he felt was going to win the game. The most impressive thing here, I think, is what they did to Dalvin Cook, a guy who's been incredible all season. He was great last week versus the Saints. He had nine carries for 18 yards. He had six catches for eight yards. They just never really got anything going um, after the Diggs touchdown in the second half. 49ers were really able to dominate um, the game and 
I mean, they, they literally scored a touchdown in the second half. That was all run plays, a run plays, I believe, just basically jamming it right down the Vikings' throat. And 49ers cover pretty easily. Um, they were six and a half, seven point favorites. Um, and the under, the under hit here. But I mean, I I think what you said is very true in terms of the buy. It was much needed. Now they host a playoff game next week, and we will be there, Tyler. Um, do you think, you know, the founder of Blue Wire, Kevin Jones, he's probably coming on the pod this week, so we'll chop it up with him. He's a 49er guy. Do you think they'll give us field passes? That would be great if Blue Wire and Kevin could potentially hook that up. That would be great, you know, maybe get some quotes from Quan, uh, some of the other guys. But <laughs> Let us get in the circle. Yeah, it'll it'll be awesome to be there. Never been to Levi's, so it'll be fun. And what great teams do, and Shanahan has said this a lot this year, they find different ways to win. 49ers have won games on their defense this year, either be, and then offensively being run heavy, and they've gotten into shootouts like the Saints game, relying on Jimmy G. And even in this game, offensively, they had drives that were different in different ways to win. Their opening drive, they went right down the field passing the ball. That was the best Garoppolo looked on the opening drive, carving them up and then threw the touchdown to Bourne. And then, like you mentioned, they had the A-play drive where they ran it every play right down the Vikings' throat. So finding different ways to win, that's what championship teams do. And the, what I was nervous about this game was the Vikings' front. They dominated the Saints last week, and the Saints have a really good offensive line. 49ers' offensive line dominated this game and Kittle also. They only sacked Garoppolo twice. The run game did whatever they want. So just being able to play that bully ball is awesome to see. And like we said, the bye helped. And Kirk Cousins' numbers, I feel like, are so misleading. It's 21-29, 172, a touchdown and a pick. I feel like he did nothing. I, th- I thought he had easily under 100 passing yards, but their defense played great. Bosa was all over the place, so... All around great win, and it'll be a tough game next week versus the Packers. I know they blew them out earlier in the year, but it's hard to do that twice versus a good team. Yeah, yeah, they're projected to be, right now, they're seven-point favorites in that one. Last note on this, just time of possession. They just essentially played keep away. They had the ball for 38 minutes to the Vikings, only 22. Um, so Niners took care of business. We were both happy. Our, oh, and Tyler, your uh, Kendrick Bourne first touchdown hit, too, 201 odds. So congrats to you. Thank you. That was, or 21 odds. Sorry, that, 21. 201 yeah. would be wild. That, that was great. Fin- finally hit a bet like that. It feels good. But let's move on to the other one seed. Unfortunately, didn't get it done. Ravens <laughs> lose 28-12. to 12. We were surrounded by some Ravens fans with us, so I felt bad for a few of them. Didn't feel bad for others. Uh, and <laughs> do, you, do you want to name names? No, I, th- I think we know who I'm talking about. Okay. But, you know, Titans just continue to do your, what they've done. Since, yeah, they continue to do what they've done. Since Tannehill's came into the lineup, they get big plays. And Derrick Henry running the ball 195 yards again. Um, let's look. Let's talk about Baltimore first. Lamar Jackson threw the ball 59 times in this game. Just not the way they're supposed to be playing. What, did, what do you think about Baltimore's game plan in this game? Lamar touched the ball. He had 79 touches essentially in this game between 20 carries and 59 um, passing attempts. Their game plan, I mean, I think they kind of got they got punched in the mouth early 
Um, and Jordan Grebo, a Ravens fan who I believe is still alive. Um, he's my one of my roommates this weekend in Bloomington. He was he woke up at six in the morning, was just shitting on their fourth and two plays, this and that. Um, they had three turnovers in this game. They had four fourth down attempts that they went for that they did not get. So all in all, you saying that seven turnovers, and it's a valid point. It seemed like they. I don't know, like they dominated in terms of total yards at 530 total yards. They just could not finish drives. And that's something that the Titans we spoke about on the pick and pod, their red zone uh, conversion rate into touchdowns, I believe was best in the league. The Ravens were one, one for four in that area. The Titans were three for three. Derrick Henry, they, they had their parlay of weird bullshit uh, to happen for Titans to win. We had the long touchdown pass to K Raymond. K Raymond, uh, very Titans. That's one leg. And then the second is like the weird touchdowns, whether it's defensive, special teams, some kind of weird trick play. And they do a wildcat play with Derrick Henry where he jumps and actually a nice throw by him. He throws a touchdown. Um, so the Titans just were able to convert. And the Ravens weren't, and that was kind of the difference of the game. Yeah, and the first pick that happened with Lamar, not his fault, it hits off Andrew's hands. That kind of swings the game early because Ravens are going down the field. Looks like they're going to go up first. Instead, tip pass, Titans get it, return into their territory. They go up quickly. Things like that just didn't go their way. Um, So tough end for the Ravens. I mean, they were the best team all year, but... In one-game elimination, anything can happen. And I thought them not playing Week 17 hurt them. Three weeks off is so much time. You could see they're a little rusty. And one of the weaknesses of this team, I thought, this year was their receivers. Marquise Brown is a nice rookie, but he's not a number one at this point. Willie Sneed is nothing. So I I thought that really hurt. When they got behind and started throwing the ball, they didn't really have any guys on the outside who can make plays. In Tennessee's defense, they did give up a lot of yards, but I feel like it has gone under the radar. They're super physical. They've, you know, they've been the Patriots and the Ravens in back-to-back weeks, so mm-hmm. have to give a ton of credit to Mike Vrabel. And Ryan Tannehill has thrown it for 160 combined yards, and they've won two playoff games. He's he's completed 15 passes in the playoffs, um, and and he's 2-0. So yeah. there, there's that. And, yeah, and one last point on the Titans. Marcus Mariota, they, they kept, he, he was on the sideline. He came in for one play. You just, I don't, sad, I don't feel bad sad, for him. Sad puppy. It's, it's sad to see. He was the number two pick for this team. Supposed to be the franchise guy. Team's playing terrible. He gets benched <laughs> and he gets so much better. For a chance to go to the Super Bowl, that's a really tough pill to swallow. And there's a video after the game of guys going to the locker room, dabbing up Vrabel. I saw and that. that. Mariota's Jake. handshake with him was so awkward, and you could just tell he's just miserable. Yeah, yeah. Tough spot for him to be in there, uh, but kind of did to himself. It just seems like this team has taken on the personality of Mike Vrabel, just always like a hard-nosed, solid defensive player in the middle of those Patriot teams. Um and that's what this Titans team is. I mean, they just smashed the ball with Derrick Henry, and the guy's been on a tear. He averaged six and a half yards a carry in this game. Um, so congrats to the Tennessee Titans. I mean, we've since we've started this podcast, I'd say the Titans are probably 
over the course of time, definitely our least favorite team. Um, they just always find ways to blow things up. However, the last few weeks, the Titans seems actually been pretty fun to watch. Um, as long as you're on the right side of, of betting them, they're not so bad. Um, I'm, I'm do, five do you, and all. Do you, do you agree with that? They're like the, this little dark Henry stretch has been fun. I think it was more so. I just couldn't stand Mariota. I thought people were always saying he was good. He just needed to be healthy, playmakers. And watching this team the last year and a half when he was playing, they have good skill guys. It was Mariota that was the issue. So I think that was more so our anger, dislike with them. But I'm 5-0 and betting their games the last five weeks. So I feel like I finally have cracked the code. I'll have to dig into my algorithm this week for the it's Chiefs important. game yeah, see where I'm lying and that was that, game. that was the last time I've hated the Titans that Chiefs game, um, where the absolute brutal, brutal uh, teaser loss that everyone in the world lost on, where they were just doing weird, weird things all game and somehow figured out a way to win that game. But let's take a quick break here, and then we're gonna talk a little college football national championship, IU basketball, and give out a Grandpa Billy's bum of the week. The holidays are almost here, and you know what that means gifts and what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right unlike most brands untucked shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked untucked shirts always fall at just the right length no matter his size so he looks casual and sharp you can find your favorite untucked style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores choose from styles like wrinkle-free button downs super soft flannels outerwear, and more. Within Tucket, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to help you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untucket is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's untuckit.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, Cody. Now, before we get into our Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week, let's talk a little college football national championship game. We have LSU taking on Clemson. LSU is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. This game is in New Orleans, so should be a huge LSU turnout. Where are you lying in this one? You know, college football, I would consider myself... Uh, full transparency, it, uh, definitely a loose fan. I watch the big games. I watch LSU uh, a handful of times, and their some of their big wins. There's Alabama. Um, they're SmackDown against Oklahoma, but uh, when it comes to Clemson, I feel like this team isn't really getting the respect they deserve. Um, they're defending national champions. They destroyed Alabama last year as a big dog. They're five-and-a-half-point dogs again in this one. They have the best defense in the nation. They have Trevor Lawrence, who, if he was eligible, he would have been the first overall pick. It's going to be three years, like from freshman, sophomore, and eventually next year, junior year, when he is the first pick. There's Joe Burrow, who's an awesome story um, as a transfer. Um, Coach O in the mix, obviously. Five-and-a-half. The thing is, Tyler... 
I've heard just stories from you all year long about getting burned, fading LSU, fading LSU. The fact that it's in New Orleans, this kind of just feels like Coach O's uh, storybook ending, that they're going to win, that he's going to be going down Bourbon Street. It's going to be absolute chaos there if they win. Um, so I'm, I'm leaning LSU, which is where the public is leaning as well. Um, I... I very much like, so 66% of the bets are on LSU. Um, I very much like a LSU and the over uh, teaser, which is full public Cody play, but the over is 68. Um, I think there are going to be some points in this game. Joe Joe Burrow has been unstoppable all year. Um, Trevor Lawrence is as well, so that's that's where I'm leaning here, Tyler. And I want I want to see a Coach O speech after national championship so badly. I'm a little bit over Dabo Sweeney's whole shtick. Yeah, I mean I'm over both of these coaches. Dabo all year has said no one believes in us, no one counts us, like everyone doubts us. Their preseason win total in Vegas was 11 and a half. They were favorite as the lower seed in that semifinal. So it's annoying. And you know, my issues with coach O, but I don't know. I don't know. I've, like I said, I've gone against Clemson all, or I've gone against LSU all year. So <laughs> it's just fitting. I'm just going to keep doing it. The underdogs have covered the last six championship games. It's a pretty crazy stat. The underdogs have covered the last six championship games and the previous six before that, the favor covered. So I like Clemson. I think this is going to be a close game. Um, Trevor Lawrence has been incredible. He hasn't thrown an interception, I think, since mid-October. He's been great. They have the best defense in the country. So I think given the extra time to prepare, they're going to be ready. And it'll be a close game. Um, and these are you know, two of the best quarterbacks in the country. Joe Burrow likely going to be the number one pick this year. And barring something crazy, Trevor Lawrence will be the number one pick next year. So should be a good game. Um, so I'm riding with Clemson in the points, I think. Clemson has the playmakers to kind of go shot for shot with LSU. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I think just the way I agree in the sense that Clemson has all the guys, ETN, Trevor Lawrence, like they're not going to be gun shy of LSU. I don't think the moment's not going to be too big for them, obviously, after winning it all last year. The fact that it's in New Orleans, I think, really will play a factor, though. Um, LSU, I mean, Death Valley is known to be one of the craziest places to play in college football. It's not going to be the same setting, obviously, but I imagine it's going to be at least 65 70% LSU fans hungry for a title. Trevor Lawrence's stats are insane. The guy just hasn't hasn't lost in college. He's 25 and 0 as a starter, 19 and 6 against the spread. But yeah, I'm I'm going with LSU. Um, we'll give you the points. We're going head to head here. Um, should we make the loser give out a T-shirt, Tyler? Um, yeah. I mean, you could give one out. So okay, we'll see. Yeah. Okay, we'll but, see. That'll yeah. be nice for you to do that. Give back to the community. Mm-hmm. I give to my bookie every week, so let's move <laughs> on quickly um, before Grandpa Billy Bum of the Week. Recap the IU game. We were in person yesterday. Hoosiers beat Ohio State 66-54. Ohio State, I think, has now lost four in a row. They're kind of faltering after a hot start. This was a huge game for Indiana. The Big Ten is an absolute mess this year, so getting any win you can is huge. So, 
Hoosiers won. What was kind of your thoughts on being back at assembly and just the game overall? Yeah, I mean, it was hard to to pay attention to the game with all the fanfare we were getting being back, but it was, I mean, this IU team is early in the year. I was beating their drum, and I still am more than most, I think, but this team is just so infuriating. Really wants to make you pull your hair out just watching them. They get off to a great start at the beginning. Rob Fennessy scores nine points quickly. There's great energy. Um, we're winning for most of the first half, and then we do what this team has done multiple games before. We got on long scoring droughts. We went the last nine minutes of the half without scoring a field goal. Same thing happened in the Arkansas game, the Notre Dame game, uh, Northwestern. This team, for whatever reason, just forgets how to do anything offensively. Um, I don't think anyone in college basketball this year is that good. Like, no one I've seen. I mean, so IU, you make the tournament. This feels like a year where it's going to be a very, even more so than normal, like a weird Final Four and just a very wonky tournament. Um, but, I mean, Devontae Green played great in the second half. He stepped up when we needed buckets. Trace was very quiet. He was only one for three. And, I mean, the biggest takeaway here was that the second half was just full of foul shots. It, wasn't, it was pretty choppy. We were 20 for 36 from the foul line. Ohio State was 11 for 19. Um, so we have we do the best job in the Big Ten at getting fouled, um, which is great if you can make free throws. Uh, what, were, what were your thoughts, Tyler? I mean, I... It's it was a mu- it was a must win for us honestly because road games in the Big Ten this year nobody nobody's won. Yeah, I mean I think it's easy to be negative about this IU team and we have been at points, but I feel like it's gotten a little out of hand. You know they're thirteen and three, they're three and two in the conference. I have a few good wins at this point. The offensive droughts is what drives you crazy, but you know in the second half they hold Ohio State to twenty points. Ohio State shot. 30% on two-point field goals in the game. So that's my biggest takeaway. The IU defense was really good, and I think they do have the talent on this team to become a defensive-focused uh, team. That's what Archie Miller wants. So it's all about effort and energy. They could keep that up. They can beat anyone in the Big Ten. Um, inserting Rob Finnessy into the starting lineup was huge. He's been banged up all year. and Yesterday looked like the first time he's back to himself. He's being aggressive, looking for a shot. So that was great to see. Jerome Hunter got 19 minutes. He only scored five points, but he's a guy who is super talented, was a high recruit, got hurt last year, and I think he's kind of working off the rust still. They could get him more minutes, and he could continue to contribute. I think that really takes IU over the top. This team drives you crazy, but like I said to you, they're like a relative. 13-3, and and they're like that one relative who drives you insane. But you still love them because you're related, and that's how I feel about this IU team. You know, you just got to take what it is at this point. They're going to be inconsistent, but then they have the stretches where they look great. Devontae Green hits three wild shots in a row, and you're you're just sucked back <laughs> all in. in. So all, all that, in. And then that, he, that's my take. And then after the game, he tweets out the emoji, the hand over the mouth with just the finger silencing the haters. So I mean, Devontae Green is made to be a six man, a six six. Man, I uh, can't talk. Apparently, Finnessy was banged up at the end of the game, by the way. Uh, I read that on Inside the Hall, so that'll be fun to monitor, given his history. What relative were you talking about? 
Um, I don't know. There's so many I could choose from. But yeah. building on, speaking of relatives, let's move on to our grandpa Billy Bum of the Week. And nice. build, building off IU, Big Ten basketball, my Bum of the Week is the Big Ten teams on the road. So in conference play this year, or yeah, I think this is just in conference. Big Ten teams are five and thirty-three on the road. So if you're looking for a bet, take any Big Ten team at home in conference. And it happened again today. Two unranked teams winning at home versus ranked teams. Purdue blew out Michigan State one by twenty-nine. Minnesota beat Michigan by eight. So that's my bum of the week. Big Ten can win on the road and. It's in. It's a wild stat that that just Bizarre. has been so consistent consistent this year. Like you said, college basketball in general, it's really up in the air. A lot of guys left from last year, so it makes for a great March Madness. So if you're looking for a good bet, just take any Big Ten team at home. And that's straight up too. That's not against the spread. That's staff five and thirty-three. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Um, Probably bad news bears for Indiana, given that we're going on the road to Rutgers at the rack. And then uh, Nebraska, which is always historically kind of a tough place to play. So at some point, that's going to have to revert back. But I don't know. I think that kind of says the mediocre state of the college basketball that I've watched this year, at least compared to years past. Um, So my grandpa Billy's bum of the week is uh, aimed at the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going with Big Trust Nation. I don't know what it stands for, Tyler, um, but it's all over social media as Lamar has been dominating all season. Um, And it's not even just... Lamar himself is is very likable. Everything he says, he's incredibly likable as a person. 23 is going to win MVP. But it seems like everyone else around Lamar just makes like really rooting for him that much harder. This Ravens team, for an NFL team especially, like any given Sunday is such a real thing. It's one and done in the playoffs. It's not the NBA where oftentimes the best team wins. Um, Earl Thomas was quoted as saying, the end of November, it's November 27th, Tyler. So we saw it a month left of the regular season plus playoffs. He said, we'll just go out there and try to play the best football we possibly can do. And when the Super Bowl comes, whoever we play, they're going to be in trouble. So that one didn't age well. There was the press conference with Mark Ingram introducing Mark Jackson a while back. He does his whole thing, big trust. He gets trolled after the game by Tajay Sharp of the Titans. Um, and it kind of felt like, I didn't realize this, but um, it seemed like the entire world was ready to kind of jump on the Ravens and troll them after their loss. It was a lot of my Twitter feed this morning, very enjoyable. Um, and front of the program, listener, Jordan Grebo, Big Ravens fan was talking all week about how he was he'd be disappointed if the Ravens uh, didn't win by at least 17 or 18. Um, but I just wanted to include him here and let him know that we're here for him if he needs anything. Yeah, he d- I felt bad. He didn't look too great last night after the game, <laughs> and I, I could totally relate as a sports fan. So I did feel bad for him, but. The rest of the Raven community, just all year, so sensitive. You know, Lamar had question marks coming into the league. Everyone loves to point to Bill Polian saying he should be a receiver. I think Booger was another guy who said that. I mean, it's Booger and Bill Polian. I mean, 
those aren't the two brightest bulbs in the bunch at this point. <laughs> no, but there were legit question marks. Could an offense like that work in the NFL? Was he going to be able to throw from the pocket? And, you know, he's going to win MVP at a great year, but in his two playoff games this year, and I know the stats last night are insane, but he wasn't as sharp as he's, he was in the regular season. So those question marks still are there. And anyone who would question him throughout the season was like the worst person alive will get so much crap on social media. It's like, you know, it's fair to criticize guys. Brady went in the sixth round. Drew Brees fell because of his height. You know, everyone has question marks. But when it came to Lamar, it's like, so much like hypersensitivity around the guy. John Harbaugh, I feel like, was very arrogant this year. You know, I don't know if you knew this, Cody, but they had someone from Yale that was in on, on their uh, staff that helped with decision making. Well, those fourth down calls last night didn't help. Um, so I was happy they lost. They're so arrogant. It reminded me of Cam Newton's team the year they went to the Super Bowl. That was a very showy team, and when they lost, everyone was so happy to pile on them. So it's similar. Lamar is likable and it's a great story, but just the fa- like the fans and everything around it was so annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the Ravens are eliminated. I mean, Lamar's only 23. I saw on Twitter they have everyone under contract offensively coming back. They have draft picks. They have like 40 million dollars in cap space. The Ravens aren't going anywhere anytime soon. But um, big trust nation took a big owl last night. Um, so that that was enjoyable. That was enjoyable as a as a Twitter user myself and just on social media, Tyler. So I think that wraps up a very eventful divisional round um, conference championship week. Next week, uh, the Chiefs are hosting the Titans. That's the early game. They're a seven point home favorite, and Niners Packers. Also a seven-point home favorite. So we'll be back midweek with uh, Kevin Jones, um, founder of Blue Wire. He has a 49ers podcast. He'll be joining us to chop it up. And Tyler, uh, two more wins. Two more wins. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.